Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way. Be the miners. Sure, they're like three years old. Miners, not miners. If you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. <laughs> I don't, don't want to kill you. What would I do without you? Every time someone says, I do not believe in fairies, somewhere there's a fairy that falls down we dead. We women who aren't afraid to fight, to stand up for our dignity. Transference is inevitable, sir. Every human being has an impact. There are no colored bathrooms in this building and a simple string of pearls. Well, I don't own pearls. Lord knows you don't pay colors enough to afford pearls. There's one thing the history of evolution has taught us. It's that life will not be contained. Life finds a way. Words are, in my not-so-humble opinion, our most inexhaustible source of magic. Hello and welcome. This is Bite the Pen. I am Jen, and you are Charlotte. I mean, not the person across from me is Charlotte. Not you who are listening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this oh is God. Jen. I'm Charlotte. You're who you are. Woo, we're going to confuse everybody. <laughs> and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I think we're recording. Bah humbug. <laughs> bah humbug. <laughs> but with joy. It yeah. is with joy mm-hmm. that we are recording before Christmas, I would say, like what? No, it's like Christmas Day, is it and Christmas it's Day? 9 a.m., and you are listening to this because you have nothing to do. <laughs> We're coming live from the North Pole. <laughs> we have a special episode for the Christmas season. It ended up being kind of my idea, but only because it became fascinating to me and Jen agreed. So hopefully this doesn't sound like it's another... We're a unit. you got to stop know, saying these things. We okay? just want to say sorry if you didn't oh feel like God. talking about it. You don't have <laughs> We're to not talk. apologizing <laughs> for the things we talk about on our podcast. That's right. We're not. That we run. We did. We did. <laughs> we yes, did hone in on the subject of the Magi, also called the Three Wise Men. Who are they? The Three Kings. Oh, sorry. They are a construct of our imagination. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. I'm just kidding. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. They were introduced in the Bible, and they have been flourishing ever since. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everybody knows about the Three Kings, right? Or is uh, that because of, like, Christmas songs? and? Stuff? I mean, I, I guess if you're Christian or Christian-adjacent, then yes. But I don't, I don't know. Interesting. I mean, had you – how much did you know about them? Or how... Well, I went to Bible school. Oh yeah, so you yeah. knew. So I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't. Well, I didn't know a lot, but I knew that they existed, and I always remember seeing one with the uh, shepherd's hook Staff. thing. And the hook. <laughs> it looks like a hook, doesn't it? It does. Okay. It, yeah, for sure. We did Christmas kids Christmas show every year at the church. The nativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, so I recognize. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's all I'm saying. (laughs) So, yeah, that's a good question. I wonder if you didn't have any Christian influence growing up, if you would know what the Magi were at all. I didn't even know what the term Magi meant until I read it from the older version of the Bible, Mm. because we always called them three wise men. Right. And that's kind of how they were described in mass. And I learned what they, the Magi, two days ago, three days ago. (laughs) Right, right. I've never heard that before in in this context. Older. It's an older term for them. Then I wonder if that's a general thing or if you do have to be somewhat... I mean, yeah. I guess it depends how in tune you are with Christmas music as a non-Christmas person. (laughs) I mean, it's not like people live in a bubble, but you really have to be listening to... You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But I found it fascinating because I like Mm -hmm. this idea that 
we can study the origins of things when it comes up. So for Christmas, I'm always wondering, like, well, why the heck do we do the things that we do? And why are we reading this passage? And why is it important that these angels give the message of the birth of Christ? The birth of of who? Christ. Jesus Christ. Oh, don't curse. (laughs) Of the Christ child for Christmas. Get it? Christmas. Thanks. Thanks. I didn't get that. I didn't make that connection until I was older, okay? I was like, oh my God, that's what it means. Oh my goodness, that's what it means. But I found it fascinating because this story, to me, has a lot more to do with prophecy and validating a practice because I'm calling Christmas a practice. That's what it is, right? It is. I would call it that, even though we've commercialized it and it's opened up to everyone as it should. Right. Even though if everyone's not praying on Christmas Day. That's what you mean. Yeah, we don't pray, but we celebrate Christmas. But we celebrate, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, I want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> I just told you my thoughts. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> should we talk about the material we're going to be discussing? Yes. Okay. Yes. So we read three things very specific things. Charlotte suggested that we read the Bible in the last few weeks of December, and I thought that was kind of a difficult thing to do. So we just read Wise Men from the East, right, which is a passage. That's the original passage. The original passage. This is the source material of what we consider gift-giving for Christmas. I mean, this is basically what the tradition came from, mm. for pushing back to its origins. And it's not the Old Testament. It's actually the New Testament, where, um, <laughs> where Jesus right. is born and we follow his life, right. his lifespan. So this is the very beginning, or somewhat at the very beginning of the New Testament. In gotcha. the Gospel of Matthew is where this passage comes from. Good old Matt. Good old Matt. <laughs> and this isn't the only passage that mentions the wise men and the prophecy mm. and the birth of Christ. It's it's a bunch of chapters. Gotcha. But it's this specific passage that introduces the men from the East. Gotcha. Mm. Interesting. Mm. And then we also talked about a Russian fairy tale called Babushka. Babushka. <laughs> Which also kind of falls into the same genre <laughs> the same story same story they use the magi as characters right like the three wise men quote unquote the and, three wise men and jesus right and jesus even though we don't see him in this but he's referenced he we talk is. we'll talk about it he is referenced but he's referenced many times <laughs> as the star that's right <laughs> the star oh sorry <laughs> And then the third piece that we read was a short story that was suggested and just kind of happened to fit what we were doing, which was kind of nice. Yeah. Um, and that's called The Gift of the Magi, and that's by O'Henry in the early 1900s. It's three pages. If you feel like reading it, it's free online. No pirates needed. Nice. Which is nice. Avoiding pirates. Yeah. So we can basically say we have the source material that reads more like mythology. It's from the Bible, but you know how the Bible is very much open. Like time means something very different in the Mm. Bible and characters and and what's Mm. said. It's all very open, kind of like a myth would be open. Okay. The next material is folktale. So it has a moral and it has maybe some more details, some more characters talk. It feels very much like a folktale. And then the last one being the contemporary short story, which is much more filled in, detailed, and et cetera, et cetera. And further, much further from the source. Totally. <laughs> Very much further from the source, yes. Because I don't, it doesn't even say that, and I'm assuming this couple is an English couple, but they don't even say that they're Christian. Right. It's just that they're celebrating Christmas. Right. Yeah. Which does seem very contemporary. Yeah. So we want to start with the oldest because 
that's what we want to do. I was going to try to come up with a saying, but I don't have anything. Because so. the older, the better. No, mm-hmm. That's not a saying. <laughs> and you are going to give us some introduction on it before we read it. It's very short, so we might as well read it out loud. So basically, this is telling the tale Christ has already been born. And the story behind it is that there's a star that appears above the manger in Bethlehem where he's born. And this star is prophesized if you are a magi at the time which were more astrologers astronomers that's what they dedicated their life to we'll talk more about this after the passage but anyway they would have seen it this group of magi let's call them and the interpretation is that they would have taken two years to go and find the child under the star and that would have taken them to bethlehem and at the end of that two years when they're in bethlehem the king herod at the time would have been somewhat warned about their coming because they're they're coming in a very much like hey we're here to do this sort of way very they're Alibaba not... and the yeah the parade with stuff. caravans yeah and, yeah there's like a bunch of <laughs> yeah and there's a lot of Fanfare. excitement mm. following them mm. and they're gathering people who are like joining them this is all again theory and interpretation but by the time they get there Herod is very much aware of it and he schemes because he he very much wants to stay king and he doesn't want there to be a new savior of any sorts because that savior would kick him out i mean i don't know i guess or just take power from him by existing i mean yeah i don't who knows what he's threatened by maybe all all three all two that you just mentioned he's like i can't change things into wine god damn it (laughs) (laughs) we'll be able to do that (laughs) and yeah when prophecy is involved people tend to get scared Mm. right that's what is said to have happened is Herod got scared and he wanted the Christ child to be found and killed but he tricks the magi by saying like hey go and find him tell me where he is I'll go worship him it'll be great mm-hmm. so that's the basis of the passage and okay when we read it you can we can fill in the details now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king behold wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. 
Dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> and then the sun supernova, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that alone, all the theories behind the star. Oh, that's yeah. like, whoa, that's a whole other realm. Yeah. That's literally. It's <laughs> it is very fascinating, mm-hmm. but it's a whole other realm. I think that would be a good place for me to get into it because I think that's probably the most interesting part that I found about zeitgeist and like those documentaries that talk about religions and the the crossover between so many different religions praying to a sun Ra, god stars like all these different things that seem to be recycled because it's all unconsciously the same mm. Sorry. that's a whole other episode i'm just saying i mean you know we're talking about religion and people take that personally of course and it makes sense but i i do tend to agree i think just from a historical point of view it seems like this is something we do as humans and I don't think there's anything wrong with that and you can't quite deny patterns when they exist I mean, I mean you can but they, I mean moronic you I mean you can <laughs> yeah and there's there's nothing wrong with identifying yourself with a specific religion but I think it's helpful when you can acknowledge patterns because then you see that you very much are related globally even if you don't, you know, this unconscious state, we're all connected globally. Right. And that, that makes me happy. That makes me thrilled. <laughs> and I'm hoping that that is a thing for everybody, but maybe not. Maybe it is very much like, hey, we are the selected one for this religion. Don't bug us. Yeah. Which is interesting because we were talking about that the other day when we were discussing Herod and talking about how the religions... Like the original Jewish and then how they teetered off into yeah. Christianity. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know, don't quote me on this, but I think that was a major factor that once the Christ's teachings meant everyone, that it felt like Jewish communities were gypped, you know, because mm. there was a lot of prophecy around them, around them being the chosen. There we go. Yeah. And then once the New Testament came out with these teachings that, hey, we actually mean everybody. Right. Everybody's going to be saved. Right. It, it kind of tore them apart. Them apart. So they were all originally Jewish, but then some of the Jewish became what we call Christians today. Right. I mean, that's basic, and that's a blanket statement again. So. It's it's very uh, interesting because it kind of circles in on itself. There's all kinds of different groups that claim to be the chosen ones. Right, right. right. So it's kind of nice to, to hear, for me anyway, I guess, as a pretty non-religious person, it's nice to know that these patterns are pretty universal. Exactly. Ooh, on that note, that's what I want to talk about first about the three wise men. There's many theories as to who they are, where they came from. I'm always curious when I read both versions that they were Persian priests. They were Mm. Persian priests from the east, and that would have been typical because they were mostly the astronomers, astrologers at the time. Mm. But the other version was that they were three different men from the east, coming from different parts of the east, Mm -hmm. like China and Africa. Oh, yeah, because one of them's... One of them is de- depicted black at one point, right? Oh, really? Cool. Isn't there? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's our own construct. That <laughs> comes later when we start filling it in. But it's an interesting theory that these three magi would have been coming from three different parts of the world right. and were not Jewish. 
Right. So this is giving the hint that, hey, this is the savior prophesized to save everyone. Mm. This is not a Jewish king. This right. is king of the world. Like mm. these gifts being presented to this child would mean we see that you are king of all, not just of your culture. <laughs> of your little of Bethlehem your... area. I mean, right? Because if they were just Jews from the east, <laughs> I, mean, don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, they all of the Jewish people knew of the prophecy. So they would be aware of it and they would have read about it. And they would worship. Don't get me wrong. They would very much worship him the same way. Mm -hmm. But if they weren't Jewish, and this was the first sign of a non-Jew to worship before Christ's child, and I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is really it's making it much bigger in scope. Mm. That's what I thought. What do you think about that? Is that just dumb? No. <laughs> It's a lot of information. I think it's all really interesting. I think the, the thing that sticks out for me just in terms of what you just mentioned in, in terms of race is important. I mean, even just being here in Santa Fe, we have that church of, is it Guadalupe? Mm -hmm. And there are like paintings depicting Guadalupe in different forms. And it's like the more time went on, the lighter skin she got. Oh, interesting. Because if you're thinking about, I mean, Israel, any any place in the East, really, for the most part, you're going to have much darker skin. Right. So it's just, you know, Jesus as the blonde, blue-eyed, Aryan race dude just doesn't really compute. Right. And it makes sense, again, like we're talking about myths in terms of, in this case, if it were a myth, that kind of thing would make sense. Because it's shaped change. based mm -hmm. on the culture it's being used by. Yeah. Used by, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I definitely like the idea of different people coming together because of an astrological event or astronomical event. Both. Both. And finding a person. Is he human? Would you consider Jesus human? He was <laughs> born as a human. He was born as yes. a human. Okay. Yeah, very much so. So, yeah, there's. I always like this element used in movies now where there's a light to lead us to the treasure. And when you say treasure, everyone always thinks materialism, gold, and the pirate's booty, right? Whatever's X marks the spot. But maybe the treasure's not a thing, but a person. And if it's a person, then that means a whole lot more right. than just a thing. Or a feeling. Or, or a feeling, yeah. yeah. Kindness, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, stupid things. <laughs> <laughs> it's important, okay? I just want my gold. Thank you. I thought... I mean, something that that's also stood out for me was the three kings, the three wise men. It's always been three. I've always thought it was three. I don't know if it's in the song, but you always see three. I mean, you know what I mean? Like three is the number that they chose to go with. It's not in the new King James Version, and it's not in the other versions. Um, it's not in any version. Nowhere is there a three. It just says magi, men from the east, magi. Or, or wise, or wise men. men. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Which I thought was just interesting. I, I mean, I guess that's why people read things, right? No. Because then they know for themselves. But. I mean, and they, I think one of the articles I read was like, well, they, they said three because there were three gifts. Right. Um, and we talked about this. I mean, they could have had like six people and three gifts. They could have right. had 30 people and three gifts. Like, it, it seems like a small number of people to be going to go see the new ruler of the world. Right. No, there would have been, yeah. Tons of people, caravans, and when it says gold, I'm sure it was a chest full of gold, and I don't know what they carry incense in or whatever, but 
I mean, they're not just like little blocks of things. Like, hey, dude, here's mine. You know, open your palm. It's... I've been traveling for two years. Here's your stupid lipstick case full of freaking frankincense, whatever that is. Yeah. They're bringing the whole, the troops are coming together. Right, right. right. So I like to think of them more as magi myself. Because that indicates that they're more scientific to some degree. Because they're studying the stars and other things related to stars. Exactly. (laughs) Space. And that it makes sense that they would travel for two years for a goal like this because this is what their life is about, Mm -hmm. is prophecy. and, And maybe, I don't know if they were going to prove it or if they already knew it and just were just ready to pay homage I, I mean, either way, once they're there, it, there's your proof. Like, there is the child, and all of the prophecy is coming true. So I'm sure that really, like, validated their their two-year journey. And they're like, yeah, guys, we weren't lying. Check it out. <laughs> and then uh, the king, the three kings, three I think, kings. came from another theory. Oh, did it? Yeah, because three kings is much different than three wise men, which is much different from, like, three scientists of the day. Right. You know, of the time. Right. There's a prophecy that was told in one of the Psalms that said, quote, may all kings fall down before him. Got to tie those shoelaces, you know. (laughs) When they were prophesying (laughs) the birth of Christ, they said that there would be kings to fall down before him. That was part of the Psalms. So maybe that's where the idea of Mm. of these wise men being also kings might have come from. Mm. Like capital K kings or like lowercase kings? Like capital K kings. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know. I, and then the song took it over, and then it became a thing. Right. So I think that's, like, the least validated version, though, that they were kings, you know. Which is, like, the most common depiction, right? Right, right. With crowns and everything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Great. I mean, the Magi would have been wealthy. That's that's a thing. I mean, you have to be somewhat to get that far, I would assume, <laughs> right. to travel that long. Right. But still, interesting. Well, since we're talking about the three kings, the three gifts... I guess is what I would want to talk about. The wise men, or the magi, show up to the barn. Is it a barn? At this point, Jesus would have been two years old. So he's out of the barn? They're out of of the barn. Cool. They're still in Bethlehem. Yes, they are. Okay. And these dudes show up. They're all dudes, right? (laughs) And give three gifts to the two-year-old screaming Jesus. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Myrrh. (laughs) <laughs> we I know what two of them mean, thanks to a friend of mine who's not talking to me right now. <laughs> not this friend. <laughs> but I don't know what one of them is. Do you want to tell us about all three of them? Sure. Which is the one you don't know about? I don't know frankincense. Oh, right, right. According to the article I read, and I think I knew somewhat about this from sermons early on when I was um, in Mass, at the time... Each one of these gifts would have meant something very special for the prophecy of Christ. The first gold was given to kings, to rulers. Frankincense was used in worshiping temples and in places of worship. Mm. So it foretold that he would be worshipped. Is that the stuff that they throw around in the church uh, during Mass? Or is that, I assume that's frankincense. Okay, Google. What kind of incense is used in mass. I found these results. That's not helpful. Thanks, Google. (laughs) Ah, so the formulations of incense are currently used with frankincense, benzoin, 
Benzon, Myrrh, Styrax, Copal, oh and God. other <laughs> aromatics. <laughs> so frankincense is one of them. And so is myrrh. And so is myrrh. Cool. Interesting. It is currently used in masses. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So frankincense was used as what? As worship. Worship. And then myrrh as an oil form, I guess, because I guess mm. it could also be used as incense. Oh, I always thought it meant incense. Interesting. So in this, oh. it's oil. So, well, according to this article, that at the time, myrrh would have been used on dead bodies so they don't smell as bad. Mm. It would be covered, coated in it. Interesting. And that one, that one I told you I remembered there being a depiction because this scene of the three wise men is depicted a lot. Yeah. A lot of art uh, over, like, however, however many millennial. Yeah. And one of the ones I remember is the third one being presented by the third wise men, it being the myrrh, and Mary knowing exactly what it meant mm-hmm. because it would prophesize his death. Mm. And Mary's face is just like she's just fallen. At first, it's mm. like, oh my gosh, these kings are kings. These wise men <laughs> are here to validate his existence and what he's supposed to be. It's it's a spectacular event. And then suddenly, when the third one comes up, it's like all of that's just like hitting her hard, mm. and she's just fallen. You know, like oh Jeez. shoot, and he's gonna die. Like that's the part I know about. I just don't want to know about. Right. So that was an interesting painting, and I can't, I couldn't find it now, but. I remember seeing it when I was younger. Well, somebody should have told her it's okay. He comes back. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's going to be fine. The best story there is. <laughs> they come back. Everything's fine. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Good stuff. I mean, I just it makes me think about the Greek Orthodox church that I went to occasionally with my mom. And they always, like, swung around a lot of frankincense. And literally, like, they would, like, swing it around and make the place full of smoke which was great i loved it everybody coughing oh Um, no (laughs) and it being very i don't know just makes me think about some of the different churches they've gone to that are somewhat based in christianity you know as opposed to uh, the presbyterian church that i went to for bible camp i don't know what the difference is between any of these things but you can tell when you go in (laughs) right right it's very hard smell I, and I remember one of our priests saying that we use incense because it's supposed to take, I mean, it it builds up and it rises up. So it's supposed to take our, you heard this, right, then our, our prayers and our thoughts up. Right. My Yeah, my grandmother, who is from Lebanon, she would do that quite often. She would go through the house. She'd get, make everybody leave and then use the same sort of little thingy that you see at mass, whatever that thing's called, where you put the incense into and uh-huh. light it. And then she would basically go into every room and get the corners and the space. I mean, it was very much like saging. And they weren't religious people per se, but it was definitely about cleansing and, you know, getting exactly what you just said, like kind of having all that stuff go away with the smoke. So it's clean. Oh, interesting. Go away versus being a catalyst. Because that's the way we understood it, mm. is it's it's a catalyst for our prayer to take it up. So it holds stuff. Mm. And that, that stuff needs to get up. It needs to get to its destination. Oh, interesting. Versus clearing or cleaning. Oh. I mean, just for the mass anyway. I, yeah. You know, I don't know if it's different when it's in a different building. You know, like a church is a sacred place, so maybe it's used differently. But once mm. a priest takes it to a home, mm. I bet you it is cleansing. Maybe. You know, it would mean something else. 
it's possible. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you're here to run off topic. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Were you curious about Herod? About the king at the time? Yeah. I did look it up. Mm-hmm. He he was a Jew, mm-hmm. but he was called a Roman sympathizer. So he was very much kind of in the pocket of the Romans, apparently. Interesting. But and some of it probably felt like conspiracy rather than prophecy. Mm-hmm. And these people were very much used to these messiahs popping up everywhere, mm. claiming that they were the savior. And, you know, there's they've just they've been through a lot. <laughs> but as a ruler, I'm sure he got very comfortable and felt threatened, like you said. I didn't read too much more about it, but that's what I would assume is I would feel very threatened if there was yet another messiah popping up in your area that you're in charge of. And not only that, but the other people are responding to it. Exactly. And yeah. people who are important because they're traveling two years to get there. Right. It's kind of scary. And I'm assuming he can also see the star. Right. A new star in the sky, which would worry me if right. I thought I might lose my kingdom or whatever. Right. And he brought his own chief priests and scribes to verify all of this. He's right. like, hey, guys, tell me tell me straight up. Is this happening? Oh, no. And then, um, I don't know if this is in the Bible later or if this was also a theory, but the same pattern of the first child, the first son of every family was killed right during that time, too, just to make sure. I kind of remember that from Bible study. Do you? Okay. So it probably was in the passages following. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, because I, I mean, I guess it was that when all the bad stuff started happening the crops dying and the ocean turning into blood and that's from the old testament that's from the old testament that's okay the, that's the moses the moses story, story. Okay. yeah another child who's yeah threatening the ruler yeah yeah same scenario repeated okay. yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. it's like a pattern or something <laughs> so i think that the thing that's connecting all of these stories mainly for us is not only just the Christ story, but also gift-giving. Learning where these traditions come from. I don't know if you would call that a tradition, per se, but where the custom, here we go, where the custom or the ritual comes from. Yeah. And even St. Nick, Santa Claus, would have been doing this tradition based off off of this passage of the original Magi Mm. and the gift-giving. Like, even he got it from that. So it's not even Santa Claus who started it, you know? Oh, yeah. Just telling telling everybody. Just saying. Did you hear that, Santa Claus? You didn't do it. I mean, you're great. Don't get me wrong. You're great. Doing what you're doing. So it's important that at the end of this passage, it was told that the three wise men also had the same dream that warned them not to go back to Herod. Which I was like, why and who and how? I knew previously that the dream was a warning because they finally figured out why Herod was asking about Christ's child, not because he wanted to worship him, but because he wanted to kill him, find him and kill him. And I don't think it would have been that hard to convince the Magi that that's what Herod wanted, because like we said, this has happened before where kings are threatened by new messiah. And what they do is they kill the firstborn son of every family just to make sure that 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 threat is gone. So stupid. Yeah. So, you know, when this dream came up, it's and it's always something divine. It's something like an angel will visit them. They'll be shown in a dream. There's a divine warning. And it's very hard to ignore that warning. So if all three had the same dream, especially, Mm. it would have been like, ah, 
it's understood. We do not go back the same way. We do not tell Herod anything. So I think that was the final ending to the passage and the final understanding that Christ was going to be protected. Yeah. And, you know, I when we first talked about this, I didn't remember, but I had a friend who was a theology professor, and he always liked talking about how the, uh, what do you call the end of the Bible? Revelation? Yeah, how Revelation was created. And I always thought that was a really interesting story because it, again, was based on a series of dreams that, you know, they can call it divine if they want to, but it's just like now, I, in my opinion anyway, that... You know, we've always been human. We've always dreamt. So is it divine intervention? Is it our own subconscious? Is it something greater? Or is it a combination of both? Yeah, is our subconscious divine? There's that, of course. And I I like that it's an apparently a recurring theme in the Bible to some degree, or at least around the Bible, right? Because Revelations was so much later that that dreams do play a part. And you know, I'm 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 not a full Jungian, but I'm mostly Jungian. I do have a little Freud in me. That's what seems Oh fun. god. <laughs> <laughs> because it's Freud. It's get funny. It, it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, you know, dream dream study and dream analysis and all all the things that we learn or can learn about ourselves or our environment or other things that are happening in the world through dreams is pretty amazing. So I like that it's sort of the little tack at the end it's literally like a line and it kind of wraps up it doesn't I guess what I'm trying to say is it doesn't matter why or who or how necessarily because this is like rules of the universe we talk about this a lot you know Lord of the Rings you're not going to have a spaceship in Lord of the Rings because that's not part of the universe and I, I like that they used elements from their universe that makes sense that's also been very important for the folklore around the bible exactly and i mean that with with respect i don't i don't mean to imply that the bible is fictitious even though there are schools of thought on that you know what i mean right because you can look at it as literature as well exactly in fact you should especially if you're christian you should is Mm. my opinion interesting hot take why it's well it's like anything if if you love something that much you need to love all parts of it so if you love the Bible, you need to know it as literary mm-hmm. as well as divine. With anything, I would like to know everything about it. Right. But that's, I guess that's just me. Yeah. I mean, well, no, I don't think it's just you. I think it's the uh, intention, right? Yeah. If you're feeling afraid and you need protection and you're lost and you don't know what to do, you know, like that's a really good place for you to go because you're looking for direction. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that people in that position are always really happy to look at all parts of it right because they don't want to to some degree yeah and i don't think you have to that's what i was gonna say i mean no judgment if that's what you want to do for yourself fine just don't kill other people right. in, in the name of it you right. know exactly exactly <laughs> that's this, all we ask too far yeah <laughs> and to not take, take things personally i guess too because religion is such a big topic and people have varying beliefs and degrees of those beliefs but if we can not take things personally, <laughs> I feel like we can help each other understand it in whatever way that we want to understand it. Agreed. Yeah. So the second story we looked at was Babushka, the Russian, fun Russian, super uplifting <laughs> folktale. Because, you know, the Russians are super happy-go-lucky. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Not even during Christmas. Yeah. 
Once in a small Russian town, there lived an elderly woman called Babushka. Babushka always had chores to do around the house. Sweeping, polishing, dusting, cleaning, cooking. She was so house proud. Her house was the best kept house in the whole village. Her garden was beautifully laid out and her cooking was loved by all who tasted it. One evening she was busying herself about the house, dusting and cleaning, and was so preoccupied she didn't hear clearly all the villagers outside the village square talking excitedly and looking at the new star in the sky. She had heard a rumor about a new star but thought, all this fuss about a star? I don't even have the time to look because I'm so behind with my work. I must work and work all night. So she missed the star as it shone brightly overhead. She also missed the little line of twinkling lights coming down toward the village at dawn. She also didn't hear the sounds of the pipes and the drums. She missed the voices and the whispers of the villagers wondering whether the lights were an army or a procession of some sort. She missed the sudden quiet of the villagers, awestruck at what they saw, and didn't even hear the footsteps coming up a path to her door. But the one thing that she couldn't miss was the loud knocking on her front door. Now what? She grumbled angrily, opening the door. Babushka gasped in amazement. There were three kings at her door. One of the servants with these three kings said, My masters need a place to rest, and yours is the best house in the village. You want to stay here? asked Babushka. Yes, it would only be until night falls and the new star appears again. Babushka gulped. Come in then, she said. The kings were very pleased when they saw all of the home-baked breads, pies, and cakes. Babushka dashed about serving them, asking them lots of questions. Have you come a long way? A very long way, sighed Caspar. Where are you going? she queried. We're following the new star, said Malkor. But where? Babushka asked. The kings didn't know, but they believed that it would lead them to a newborn king, a king of earth and heaven. Why don't you come with us? asked Balthazar. You could bring him a gift like we do. I bring gold, and my colleagues bring spices and perfumes. Oh, I'm not sure that he would welcome me, said Babushka. And what could I bring for a gift? Toys? I know, I could bring a toy. I've got a cupboard full of toys, she said sadly. My baby son died when he was small. Balthasar stopped her as she started to tidy the kitchen. This new king could be your king too. Come with us. I'll think about it, said Babushka. As the king slept, Babushka continued to tidy up as quietly as she could. What a lot of extra work there was, she thought. And this newborn king, what a funny idea to leave everything to go and look for him. Babushka shook herself. There was no time for daydreaming. All the washing up needed drying and putting away. Anyway, she thought, how long should she be away? What would she wear? What about the gift? She sighed. There was so much to do. The house will have to be cleaned when the kings have gone. Suddenly, it was nighttime again, and the new star was in the sky. Are you ready, Babushka? asked Balthazar. I'll come tomorrow, Babushka called. I must just tidy here first and find a gift. The kings went away, rather saddened that Babushka had decided not to travel with them. Finally, some hours later, she went to the small cupboard, opened the door, and gazed at the toys. But they were very dusty. They weren't fit for a baby king. They would all need to be cleaned. She cleaned all the toys until each one sparkled. Babushka looked through the window. It was morning. The star had come and gone. The kings would have found somewhere else to rest by now. She could easily catch up, though. But she felt so tired. She had to sleep. The next thing she knew, she was awake, and it was dark outside. She had slept all day. She quickly pulled on her cloak, packed the toys in a basket, and ran down the path the kings had taken. This was extremely difficult. The snow had covered up their tracks. Everywhere she went, Babushka asked, Have you seen the kings? Oh yes, everyone told her. We saw them. They went that way. 
For days, Babushka searched for the kings, and the villages got bigger and became towns. But Babushka never stopped. Then she came to a city. The palace, she thought, that's where the royal baby would be born. No, there is no royal baby here, said the palace guard when she asked him. What about the three kings? asked Babushka. Oh yes, they came here, but they didn't stay long. They were soon on their journey, the guard said. But where to? asked Babushka. Bethlehem, he said. That was the place. I can't imagine why. It's a very poor place. That's where they went, he said. She set off toward Bethlehem. It was evening when Babushka arrived at Bethlehem, and she had traveled for a long time. She went into a local inn and asked about the kings. Oh yes, said the landlord. The kings were here two days ago. They were very excited, but they didn't even stay the night. And what about a baby? Babushka cried. Yes, there was a baby, said the landlord. The kings asked about a baby too. When he saw the disappointment in Babushka's eyes, he stopped. If you'd like to see where the baby was, he said quickly, it was across the yard there. I couldn't offer the couple anything better at the time. My inn was really full, so they had to go into a stable. Babushka followed him across the yard. Here's the stable, he said. Babushka? Someone was calling her from the doorway. He looked kindly at her. She wondered if he knew where the family had gone. She knew now that the baby king was the most important thing in the world to her. They have gone on a long journey to a place of safety, he told Babushka. And the kings have returned to their countries, but one of them told me about you. I am sorry, but you are too late. It was Jesus they found, the world's savior. Babushka was very sad that she had missed Jesus, and it is said that Babushka is still looking for him, leaving presents beside every baby at this time of year, just in case. I, I don't know how prevalent the story actually is in Russia, like, today. Like, I don't know if this is, like, still a thing that they tell their children. Um, but the, the idea behind it is that she sort of is constantly roaming around and giving children gifts because of what she missed. I would add that there's a weight to the urgency of what's going on that she realizes too late. As a folktale, it has this moral that you're so focused on materialism, on your routine, on yourself. In this version, they give her a backstory of her having lost a son, of a, of a child that she has lost already. So maybe there's some bitterness there. So whatever whatever weird concept is is being told for this fairy tale, it doesn't catch up soon enough. So her quote-unquote punishment kind of later on when she doesn't go with them as soon as they leave is that she can no longer catch up. So she's left to wander the world looking for him. And that's kind of her final curse slash mission slash journey. I don't know how you would... In the story, it's kind of read bittersweetly. This is more of a sad story than an uplifting story. Oh, yeah. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Russians are notorious for that. All right. (laughs) It's funny because they're so beautiful when they dance. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do think it's kind of fun. I don't know if that's the right word for this. Um, to sort of view it as, you know, that that Bible passage we just read, happening sort of as the beeline in this story. Her sort of momentary connection, I guess, to to that story. I don't understand why it needs to be so sad, but whatever. <laughs> What about the idea that she feels destined to just look for him? Did you feel like that kind of came out of nowhere? Do you think that had some merit to it because she had lost a son and somehow that was building up inside of her? Honestly, I feel like the story is about peer pressure. (laughs) Like, I didn't totally buy the fact that she was just all of a sudden was like, oh, darn it, 
why did I not think about that before? Like, it almost, it just didn't feel very genuine to me in terms of why she would even go after them. But religion, you know, I understand. Maybe she's just, shit, I'm a Christian. God damn it. And I didn't go and see, that's a lot of cursing around Jesus, sorry. (laughs) I don't know. I just, I don't, I feel like it could have been anything. It didn't really fit to me, but. If you can think of something that defines you, like, holy, mm-hmm. maybe it's not religion, but something that you consider is absolutely you. Mm-hmm. And there was this opportunity that had very much to do with this thing that felt like your being. I felt like that was the situation. It's not about a prophecy. It's not about a story. It's not about a theory. If they're living at this time very much basing their lives off of this concept that there might be more, that someone might save them, that they could have a life that's very much different and that sort of passes you by. I think it was it was meant to be something more like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whatever defined you was missed. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's terrible that that's what ended up happening. Is that she just searches endlessly throughout time <laughs> for a child that's that's already grown and gone. You mm-hmm. know. Right. So that's the part where I was like, whoa. Mm. <laughs> when I read it the first time, I felt that heaviness of mm-hmm. something being missed that was mm-hmm. undefined. So that's how I interpreted it. And that's why I added this to the list for the Magi. Mm -hmm. It still sort of, you know, is about our, the theme that we're kind of running on. It's a different take on it. We're looking at it almost like you said, like a punishment in terms of gift giving. If she maybe didn't stop and clean up the toys and just left on her own, maybe she would have caught up. But she felt she needed to like atone to some degree for not going when she first heard about it. I mean, I feel like there's something there about what gifts you're giving and why, right? Maybe that was important to her because she did have a kid for a while. And I, and I would also like to think that that's not what the three wise men were insinuating. It's like you have to bring a gift. Right. <laughs> if anything, they were they were more like, you have to come with us. Don't mm-hmm. you realize what's happening? Like, yeah, bring a gift if you have one because we're, you know, cause we're doing it. But I don't even think that was the point. I think what they wanted was her to join them. Because mm. later in, in Christ's teachings, it's we drop materialism completely. It's not about mm. bringing things with you. It's about you going. Right. So I think I think that was the original idea for both the Magi, for Babushka, is that you go to see him. Because that's what the gift is. It's not what you're holding in your hand. Mm-hmm. I, I just was going to say that I feel that that's the difference between Christianity and Scientology. Ah. For instance. Interesting. Tell me more. Scientology is give yourself, but also give everything you have. Oh. Whereas in Christianity, or at least in what we see in the Bible, I'm assuming, it's leave the possessions and give us yourselves. Exactly. Which is also kind of scary, but it makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to mention that Babushka means in russian it means grandmother we tend to like the the definition that was created for it because of the story is elderly woman and it is also a headscarf tied underneath the chin Ah. which is what a lot of russian women wear babushkas wearing a babushka babushka is wearing a babushka and that's special to someone somewhere. <laughs> Babushka! <laughs> I just love the term. It is so fun to say. Babushka. Babushka! <laughs> I don't think you can get away with calling people that. Sorry. No, I mean, I mean, I don't know, but I would assume not. 
So maybe don't go up to an old lady and be like, Babushka. <laughs> she might be like, kind of like going me? up to one of our ladies and be like, hag. Yeah, really, basically. <laughs> like, wait, wait, that's not what I meant. <laughs> Last but not least, The Gift of the Magi by O. Henry. 1900s. We talked about that, right? It was like early. I think it was like 1906 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when this was published, first published. The story is very simple. It's two people who live in a house, and Christmas time is upon them, and they want to get each other something nice, and they do not have uh, very much money. It's mentioned that the husband is paying, is getting paid much less than they usually get paid. The wife doesn't work. I mean, out of a dollar and 87 cents, that's what she saved. And she knows that she can't buy much with that. I think the idea is that when she starts playing with her hair, she thinks, oh, I know that this is one of the things I treasure most, but I know I can also get some money off of my hair. Mm-hmm. So what she ends up doing is cutting off her hair, selling it, and buying a chain for a watch. A gold chain. A gold chain for a watch that her husband has with him at all times. That he loves. That he loves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is really sweet. It is really sweet. And then her husband comes home. The first thing he notices when he gets back home is that her hair is gone. And she tells him, don't worry, it'll grow back. But I, I, I'm very excited what I have for you. Mm-hmm. And he, he shows, I guess, visibly on his face that he's perplexed and concerned. So she's kind of freaking out, like, what's wrong? Which I was like, oh, here we go. Femininity has to be defined by short and long hair. Like, what year is it, 1906? But we find out that's not why. That's not why. She opens the gift that he gave her, and it's this beautiful comb that she saw on a window display a long time ago, and he bought it for her. Really expensive. And obviously he couldn't afford that without selling something of his. Mm-hmm. So, everyone, what do you think he sold in order to his afford? <laughs> what does he uh, have a toe. <laughs> that he loves a lot? Uh, his car. His car. Obviously his car. <laughs> His dog. His mm-hmm. dog. So he sells his watch. His right? gold watch. His gold watch. So she gets a comb for, I mean, she can still use it, but it's, I get it, it's supposed to be different. And, and he has a chain, but no watch. It's ironic at the end. It's ironic. And it's, it's, they're, I actually really like this couple because they're pretty supportive of each other and they're quiet people. So I, I liked at the end, it doesn't feel bad. It's not like how Babushka ends where you're like, oh God, why even? Whereas this is like, dang, life, you know? I what thought, are you going to do? I thought it was funny. Yeah. I like laughed out loud. I'm like, totally. oh, of course that's what happened. They love each other so much that they are selfless enough to give away the things they love most. Right. And at the end, it's like, oh, this verifies that we do indeed love each other. This is what love is. Right. Hence this weird end paragraph. You know how the English wrote in the 1900s <laughs> with, Now you Rutas are going to hear the moral of the story and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I feel like you could just cut all that out. <laughs> Can I read, though, what the last yes. paragraph says? Because it's do. part of the genre, I think. And this is where the Magi comes in as a summary of the short story. The Magi, as you know, were wise men, wonderfully wise men, who brought gifts to the newborn Christ child. Thank you. We understand. (laughs) They were the first to give Christmas gifts. Being wise, their gifts were doubtless wise ones. And here I have told you the story of two children who were not wise. Each sold the most valuable thing he owned in order to buy a gift for the other. Let me speak a last word to the wise of these days. Of all who give gifts, these two were the most wise. Of all who give and receive gifts, such as they are the most wise. Everywhere, they are the wise ones. 
they are the magi and my first comment was huh <laughs> I was like the first I was like what what is he what is he talking about yeah in this but you got it right away I mean just because I feel like I've read a lot of this you don't need to make an excuse for it I mean I'm meaning <laughs> I think I I understand it because not only am I used to this era of writing Mm -hmm. and their cleverness and the fact that they have to repeat themselves and sound clever but to me the moral was in there right away this is beautiful this is funny this is beautiful no wonder it's called the gift of the magi because the moral of the original magi is very much giving themselves being selfless yeah i don't know i did not think that i was confused only because a, we don't hear or read anything about the Magi in the whole story. Right. It's just at the end. And on top of that, I just, I felt like he was, like, saying things in a weird way. Like, what are you trying to say? But that's just probably me and my retention. So I looked it up, and I found a really good presentation for junior high kids. I was like, yeah, this is what I need. And the creator of the presentation talked about, you know, that basically what you just said. The the wisest of us all are the ones who give out of love and those who give out of self-sacrifice. And they are truly wise because they value those things. They value self-giving love and self-sacrifice and not martyrdom. I'm not going that far, but, but really being selfless. And my last comment on that was Jim and Della's love is priceless. That's Get bad. It. That was so bad. <laughs> yeah, meaning I can forgive O. Henry for calling them children and dumb. What does he call them? Not dumb, but they were not wise, he says. Yeah. But I think he says that ironically. He's like, no, I, meaning I respect them out of everyone. They are the magi. It's, it's a duality because, yeah, they were obviously not wise in doing that, but they were obviously wise because they did that. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anything else about this one? Other than the fact that this... This is the contemporary interpretation of the original Magi. I think that's why we selected it. Reaches more people. Something like this might be read by more. Because it's more contemporary? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's easier to understand a story like this because people do this. They give gifts selflessly. And they would interpret that much more than they would understand a Bible passage that says something about these three Magi giving to a Christ child. Maybe they don't know a lot about. It's not very tangible to them. Especially if you're not religious. I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah. 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 It makes a lot of sense that this would be the contemporary version or closer to contemporary version. I think now this story, The Gift of the Magi, would probably have like a negative end where it's it's about materialism. I feel like that's sort of what we've been dealing with as as we come across globalization and corporations that are taking over small business. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like the next lesson you know, after this story is not only what you're giving, but what you're giving. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Irony. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then we need to be reminded of this quite often because the commercialization is taking over more and more every year. It feels, it feels like that anyway. Maybe it's, maybe it's not like that for everyone, but just to go back. And I think that's why for me, mass is important at Christmas time. Because I'm I'm super lost in the commercialism too. Mm-hmm. I was just like, whoa, these fancy <laughs> things. You have to get dressed up and blah blah blah. Buy all these gifts on time. And then during mass, if they read this passage, I very much see a story that I understand. Mm-hmm. 
and suddenly realize that that I'm, I can be part of that too. It's, mm-hmm. it's not about the materialism, much as the, the giving, the giving aspect that we're looking at here, and being being with the people you love. Of course, that's why um, the Grinch is such an important story too, right? I actually think it is. It is. <laughs> that's what. Yeah, it's a depiction of exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Is the morning of Christmas, all the gifts are gone, and they sing anyway. Right. Ha ha. Grinch. Nope. <laughs> it's not about that. It's about a little bit more. Right. Yeah. Very good. So what'd you get me? Uh, these three stories. Oh Would you like God. me to read them again? <laughs> Let's start over, shall we? <laughs> so on that note, we are hoping everyone has a very Merry Christmas mm-hmm. or a Happy Holiday. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy holiday it's <laughs> like I don't know any others just for the seasons tidings and what it brings we're wishing you the best of what you want to celebrate and want to acknowledge during this time of the year I mean I, I at least hope that you are giving gifts for good reasons because you care about somebody because you want them to have something that's special not because it's expensive or anything else right and if anything if you can be with them yeah that's enough and if you can't Skype. <laughs> yes. It's really nice. Now we have technology. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of technology, can people listen to us? Um, no. Various formats. Great. This is uh, only to be found on CDs that <laughs> you can pick up at the library. Yes, you can listen to us online on the interwebs. <laughs> the world uh, Yes. <laughs> com. We're also on pretty much every app that I could get my hands on. Follow us there if you'd like. We would appreciate any sort of reviews or comments or ratings on iTunes because I hate Apple, as you know. I mean, Apple and I don't get along, but they're like the leader of podcasts at this point. So if you can review us, please do on iTunes. We would really appreciate it. Charlotte will give you a hug if you're not creepy. I love hugs. (laughs) I will not. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) 